They put on the helmet and pads. Flattened by a reader, short of the line of scrimmage. And make the big plays. Here comes Merciless, Jack Fumble, and the Texans have the ball. Now it's time for Texans players to take you inside the game. Got that first hit? You always need that first hit just to get into the rhythm. And they'll take you outside the white lines, too. That was just a fun little tweet I sent out, but I was like, didn't expect it to blow up the way it did. Oh, my goodness. Welcome to the Fuddruckers Texans Players Show. Live from Fuddruckers with your hosts, Mark Vandermeer, D.P. Sadu, and Drew Doherty. Oh, yes. Short week. You thought we weren't going to be here? Ha! We're here at Fuddruckers, 59 and Wesley and Mark Vandermeer, Drew Doherty, D.P. Sidhu. And our special guest tonight, it's a short week. We have no current players, but he looks like one. Kylie Wong, former Texans linebacker. Thanks, Zach. Former I tell you Viking. What. Look like one. That's very questionable. Uh, all right, right there. I, I was I it. it. I love the, I love the love, dude. You know, you know how much I love you, Mark. So, well, I, I like the compliments. Love you back. And we were just talking about a guy who's in tremendous shape, Dom Capers, who was at the celebration of life for Mr. McNair on Friday. So I was thinking about guys who still look like they could play. He played for Mount Union back in the day, Division Three, but he still looks like he could play. And I'm sure he's. He might be 70. I don't know. How old is Dom now? 65? Uh, he's, mean, he's definitely out there. And you know what? He looks unbelievable. unbelievable. I mean, even even when we played, we used to always have this running joke of how, how he could outlift anybody on our team, right? Because he has those lats. We call right. them the Cobra because, <laughs> because his lats just, I mean, it was just this perfect V. And you know what? The guy looks even bigger and even wow. in better shape. I mean, it's unbelievable, um, and it was so much fun seeing him. That's a perfect, that's a perfect description of Cobra because he looked like he had two mm. boulders on either side of his head. I'm like, <laughs> holy moly, because I wasn't around when Dom was around. And right. I was like, golly, he's big. I mean, yeah. it seemed like the guy only did traps, so right, any, <laughs> like, any type of overhead pull down or something like that or some type of row. Or shrugs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. those oh, yeah. were his two yep. exercises. And beyond that, we'd always tease him. Hey, Dom, you know, at some point you should do a squat. You know? Right. <laughs> Keeping yourself out yeah, a little exactly. bit. Exactly. We, we need a little more balance to this. Maybe he had one of those bars in his office where he just does pull-ups. You know like what? That would bar. not surprise me. Anybody who knows Dom Capers, that would not surprise me one bit. So disciplined. And, you know, there's a Bill O'Brien overlap with Dom Capers because when O'Brien was at New England, Capers was a special assistant, you know, one of those roles that some, sometimes a former head coach will get with a team. No coordinator or anything, just special assistant to the defense or whatever he was. And O'Brien talked about some of the things. He, I think we were all in the room that day. Uh, it was one of our first meetings with him. He was talking about some of the things that Capers did using the Excel sheet and how techno technological he was. And Capers was one of the first guys to bring computers into the league mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh. Now, the Cowboys did it, but this made it more widespread what he was doing with the Steelers. Anyway, we didn't come here to talk about that. Yeah, it, I mean, it was, it was really – I'm was avoiding really, the issues here today, Kyle. Exactly. <laughs> I, I get it. Now, yeah. it was a lot of fun. And, you know, and that, and that the ceremony of life, I mean, that was excellent. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was really good to see um, – and that was actually one of the interesting things. When, when the news kind of broke – I was getting text messages from a lot of guys that don't live here in town, you know, and, and the fact that they're all, you know, really interested in coming in or trying to figure out, you know, how they can come back and, you know, and, and support, you know, the McNair family and, and kind of, um, you know, kind of see one last time, you know, Bob, I, I thought that was pretty neat. I was a little disappointed that David Carr did not arrive and make an appearance. That would have been nice. That would have been nice for me. 
I'm a yeah, big fan. for you. I'm a big fan of David <laughs> on NFL <laughs> Network these days. He's doing yeah. a nice job. He is doing a He's good job. He's doing a nice job he as a professional, a Mark. Yes, of course, as a professional. As a professional. Did you, who did you get it. to see that you hadn't seen in, in, in a little bit of time, teammate-wise? Well, uh, so Mario was back. You know, Mario we uh, yeah, saw Mario Williams there. Um, who else did it? Jamie Sharper. Uh, he came, he was actually he's actually up up in uh, Georgetown. He's coaching football. Go figure. Wow. I would not. I would have never guessed he would have got into coaching profession. So he he was able to come back for it. So those were kind of the two big highlights. Sometimes you don't know. You don't know it until you know. A yeah. guy gets into coaching. We had Ryan Griffin sitting in that seat a few weeks ago, and he. He indicated that he's interested in coaching upon retirement, whatever that might occur for him right. for a while. Yeah, yeah, definitely not for a while, not, especially not after last week. All right, Colts, yeah, he had a huge game against the Colts. Unfortunately, the Texans could not pull it out. They lose 24-21. Short week, Jets Saturday, 3.30. All right, so, Kylie, what were your overall thoughts on what you saw there on Sunday afternoon? Close but no cigar. I mean, yeah, I, it's kind of one of those things. You know, I, I listened to a little bit of sports talk radio and there was a lot of negativity around it and starting to question the Texans. Mm-hmm. I personally, I love that game for them. You know, because, uh, one, there's no way anyone could ever tell me different that that game, there were not opportunities to just early on just win that game, right? right. There, were, there were a couple shots that just didn't occur. It was a tough game for them. They did not play their best. There was a lot of miscues out there. Um, but they were still very, very much in the game. And in reality, had they just connected on a couple of the early opportunities, and, and primarily when I'm talking about corner outs, you know, the, the two overthrows that yeah. uh, Deshaun Watson had, I mean, they would have been fine. But the overall assessment of it is, you know, and I think you kind of heard it, you know, from the team and, and Coach O'Brien and all those type of things is, you know, the ball just has to come out quicker. Right. So uh, on both sides, uh, the ball coming out very quick (laughs) against Andrew Luck and the ball coming out late um, with Deshaun Watson. And so what I mean by that is, you know, you look, you go back and you watch the the, the game. And I love to go back and watch the coaches film. So I kind of have a little bit of that. Me, I'm just not ready to grind for 18 (laughs) hours. hours (laughs) Um, But you look at him and typically, you know, most of the times he's dropping back to pass. He's five seconds. Sacks are happening at six seconds. And that's a long duration for a quarterback to have, a, have yeah. the ball in, in a pocket, regardless of whether you're doing play action, whatever you're doing. Whereas if you look at Andrew Luck on the flip side, it was the ball was out around two seconds. Because he so knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. So there's yeah. just, you, you know, as much as you want to say, you're just not going to get home. You're not going to have such an effective pass rush in a two-second uh, window. And so, you know, uh, most, most defensive linemen, they're looking for three seconds or, or greater. And that's where they know they have an opportunity to kind of get sacks um, you know, and be more prolific uh, with the pass rush. And it seems like we saw more of that, what you're talking about, the quick passing game against the Texans, those first three losses. And then teams, for whatever reason, it was either taken away from them or they went away from it themselves. But it kind of came back this week, right? It did. It did. It, it came back, you know, very big. Exactly. I mean, that's one of the things that we saw, you know, when you look back at the Giants game, you know, the, the third game of the season. It was just big cushions. And how can the rush ever get there if Eli Manning just – sees it, diagnoses it, and, and gets, gets the ball out of his hands, which I'm sure is going to be the formula going forward. Right. Got to find a way to get there, get it done. All right, so short week. What's the problem challenge here? Because we last talked to you on a short week, 
this is different, a little bit longer. It's as if you played the Monday night game and had a game on Sunday. Yeah. Um, you know, there really isn't much different for the, for, for the players. You okay. know, playing on Saturday versus Sunday, you know, it's kind of nice. You know, I used to love short weeks because mm-hmm. that means um, it's a shorter schedule. Right. right, like the the the, the installation is shorter. It's 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 easier for you. It's like summer school. It is like summer school, exactly. <laughs> you, they, they're, they're, it's not as taxing on your body. So I always preferred to play off of short weeks. Um, and you know, and I think, look, we're we're going up to the Jets right now. They have far bigger problems than the Texans. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't believe they don't even have a running back that's 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 you know taking reps right now for their team. You have a rookie quarterback, which is. A very, very good thing for this defense to, to face. Um, and, you know, and our, our, team is, our team is still very good. I want to ask you about going back to Sunday's game with DeAndre Carter going out early and then Kiki QT being out. Mm-hmm. It seemed like not having a slot receiver was sort of a domino effect of sorts on the offense. What did you see as far as that? Obviously, we saw the tight ends get more production, but did that shrink the playbook a lot more? Do you think that had an impact on the run game? Or did each thing just sort of independently have its own issues? It definitely seems like it has a big impact, right? So when we see Kiki on the field, um, that is a much more dynamic offense in my in my eyes, just mm-hmm. just watching it, right? And we know Bill O'Brien, and we know kind of the Patriots, and I hate to hate to keep using that, right. but you, you, we know how much they love slot receivers. We know how much of the offense runs through the slot receiver, and. Um, and yeah, so it is. It is kind of interesting to see, you know, how they're going to make the adjustments. The tight end stepped up big. They're actually a, a big key to, in my opinion, um, and especially the rookies, um, on how the season kind of unfolds at the end. It's got You got to go back to what you kind of started out with, though. Yes, Kiki makes the offense more dynamic, and you want him back, and you want him in there. But you hit on the the long long one to Demarius Thomas at the start of the game. You're up fourteen nothing, and Absolutely, then. Yeah. That changes the entire scope of things. You're probably able to run better. You're probably able to tee off a little bit better on Andrew. This is in theory, but that's got to be encouraging. It's like what you're talking about because you can still succeed without QT, but now you get the chance probably to add him whenever he does return the action. Oh, without question. And, yeah, I mean, that, that drive, that, the one where he, there was an overthrow on, the, on that, that, that little corner route, I mean, just a couple plays before that, I can't remember if it was a play before or a couple plays before. I mean, you know, Demarius Thomas had an, an awesome route where he ran deep in. You know, so it was a it was your first explosive play kind of of the game, and then you you know, and then you kind of come back to it, and you have another opportunity this time being a corner out, and he was wide open. He created space. He was there. Um, the the ball just kind of sailed a little bit. How do you like Demarius Thomas and what he's been able to do over the last few weeks? It seemed like he's Bill O'Brien talked about him being more comfortable. He's doing a lot more. But what have you seen from him? And and. Is he? Do you see, what, what's the ceiling for him as far as this season? I mean, he's a pro. You know, like they, he's just one of those guys. I feel like he's seen it all. He's done it all. He's still very good. He's still very talented. He's very explosive. He can beat guys one on one. And so I, I definitely love the routes that he was running. You know, um, we kind of alluded to the two very big explosive plays that could have been out there. Um, but also, you know, I mean, just the quick little screen passes. I mean, that's that's a, that's now a dynamic runner out in space is what you're able to do with them. And, and we saw it, uh, I think, two times over the, over the course of the game last week. I guess it's easier said than done. But one thing that Watson has been doing a little bit more of that I like is the check down to Lamar Miller mm-hmm. because, hey, you take five, ten yards, whatever it is, 
David Carr used to make a living doing that with Dominic Davis, now known as Dominic Williams. He would just dump it over the middle to him or wherever he could, and Dominic would get 10 yards or more, it seemed, almost every time. It no, felt like it. You know, it's funny. That's uh, not very that's, – uh, that's exactly how Andrew Luck plays. Yeah. Um, now, we didn't see it quite as much, but if you watch him, the ball is not in his hands long. He'll right. go through his quick reads, and then he just checks it down. And right. he was, you know, um, in the past, it was he would just dump it down to Mac, and Mac would pick up eight yards. So that is, a, that is a very, very good option for him to just get through his reads quicker and drop that ball if you need to. Is it tough because you need Miller in there for pass protection? Because they do keep extra people in a lot of the time. That's been some of the issue in getting the ball to the tight ends. You know, it's funny. You always go back and forth with this. I always try to think about this. You know, some people argue that having more protection gives you a longer period of time in the in the pocket. And we know intuitively if you have less protection, then the ball comes out quicker, right? right. Like that's just forces like that. you to get rid it of it. Forces yeah. you to get rid of it. And I remember, you know, this is kind of some years back, but when the Patriots really and Tom Brady really first started kind of the, the this kind of wide open five wides and it was against the Steelers and the Steelers had a dynamic defense this is we're talking Troy Polamalu we're talking about Joey Porter yeah, we're talking about guys. all those guys and everyone was saying how are they going to go how are they going to play in Pittsburgh against the Steelers and this defense and they said all right they came out and they just went five wides and and the reason why is because it just allowed Tom Brady to identify and get the ball out of his hands quickly um so yeah, I, I, I'm not sure the answer is. I just know the ball needs to come out quicker. All right. We're here with Kylie. Want You had a question. Oh, right? I was going to ask you about the final play of the game as a defensive player, the neutral zone infraction. <laughs> yeah, tough. I mean, I, I know I mean, everyone talks about Jadavion Clowney. Like, he's, he does a lot in the game, but then that one play at the end, I mean, how did you feel emotionally watching something like that? Unfold? You know, it's one of those things you're just like, oh, it's, it's gut-wrenching, right? Because he knows it. The whole team knows it. The coaches have probably talked to you about it. Um, and it's one of those really tough plays because you're just in the moment and you just you're trying. You're trying you're trying to help your team. You're trying to get off the field. And Andrew Luck did a great job there. I mean that's that's really that's really you know Andrew Luck's ability to do the hard count to come back and then take a pause and then do the hard count again, that usually doesn't happen. They usually try once and then they call timeout, and uh, and it was that was that was tough. It was tough, and it's over. And the Jets are next, so we'll talk about them a little bit. You mentioned rookie quarterback. What about an old quarterback in the league? I want to get your theory on how much longer he might play. Mm-hmm. I think we all know who I'm talking about, and we'll just share our theories on the subject. We're here till eight o'clock tonight. It's Fuddruckers Texas Players Show at Kylie Wong Greenway location. Keep it here for more of the Fuddruckers Texans Players Show, right here on Texans Radio. Now, back to Fuddruckers for more of the Texans Players Show. Here we are at Fuddruckers 59 and Wesley and Mark Vandermeer, DP Sidhu, Drew Doherty, and Kylie Wong is our special guest tonight. We're going ambassador tonight because... It's a short week for the Texans. They will get on a plane Friday morning and get ready to face the New York Jets at the Meadowlands on Saturday afternoon. It's the first trip. I don't even want to say it. We'll save that for the 7 o'clock hour hmm. since 2010. By the way, today is the 7-year... No, 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 no. We went there in 12. 
And we 14. Went there 1 and 12. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, that was cushion. You're right. You're yeah. right. In 12, it was Monday Night Football. Yep. 13, we were not there. 14. 14, the they Jets. were here. The that Giants. was for the Giants yeah. game. Yeah, yes. okay. Yeah, you're right in 12. That was great, that Monday Night Football game. Except for Cushing. Except for the Cushing. Except for the Cushing thing. It was 5-0 and oh at the time, though. Yep. Yeah, push good. Push the Thank you for reminding me. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Seven-year anniversary, by the way, of the Texans clinching their first-ever AFC yeah. South Championship. December 11th, 2011, at Cincinnati. Kevin Walter with the big touchdown. We'll talk about that in the 7 o'clock hour. Can you tell me a little of the story that we were talking about during the break? <laughs> because we were ta- they, they flashed a Bob Knight thing here on the uh, monitor here at Fuddruckers, and then we started to talk about legendary coaches and Lou Holtz. You have a Lou Holtz story? I do, I do have a Lou Holtz co- story. I mean, so when I was obviously in high school going through the recruiting process, right. um, I never heard from Notre Dame. He was coaching at Notre Dame at the time. And I, ah, man, it was around the holidays, so I can't remember. But I went to the movie Rudy, okay? So I was at Rudy, and I mean, Rudy to this day, I mean, it just holds up, right? Like, like every single time I get goosebumps, my hair stands up, I cry. I I well up, I do. I don't even like him. (laughs) It's just the thing, the whole whole spirit of it. The spirit of it, absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, when I was kind of going through this recruiting process, my mom had a couple couple rules. She's like, one, you're never going to play for, the, for, for Lou Holtz because she had watched Notre Dame a number of times, and she just thought he was obnoxious on the sidelines. Really? Oh, but he's a nice guy. Uh, he is. A, no, he's a great guy. I mean, he's a yeah. gem, right? I right. Mean, especially when you watched him on game day. I mean, he was probably one of my favorite people to listen to on college football game day. Um, so as I'm coming home from the movies, all pumped up, you know, me and my boys and, and all football players, um, I get home and I get my first phone call from Notre Dame. And it was like, it was Lou Holtz. It was wow. like, Kylie Wall, this is Lou Holtz. Uh, we want you to come to Notre Dame. <laughs> and I mean, at that point, mom, I was just, I was waving her out of the room. <laughs> I'm like, man, get out of here. Like, yes, absolutely, coach. I can't wait to come to Notre Dame. Um, obviously, didn't I didn't end up going that route. But it was, it was just so funny because we were talking about Bobby Knight up here on the screen as well. Wait, so why Stanford? Stanford, well, so Bill Walsh was there. So Bill Walsh recruited oh, me. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had a very good. That's uh, not bad. That's recruited not a, by Lou Holtz and Bill Walsh. Yeah, yeah. So Bill Walsh was there. And then and then obviously just the, the, the aspect of California know, versus California. South Bend, Indiana. Yeah. And, and, the, and the belief in, in my true opinion that, um, you know, elite academics can, like, coexist with, with very good athletics. You know. Was Ty Willingham there at any point while you were there? He or? was. Okay. So uh, Tyrone came in um, uh, what, my sophomore year. Okay. So my, my year after. And in fact, I just saw him because I was inducted in the Stanford Hall of Fame. Oh, so congratulations. I got, see, I got to see Ty. I got to see That's all awesome. my old coaching coaching tri- uh, uh, guys, and it was it was a lot of fun. What a great honor that is to be in the Stanford Hall awesome. of Fame. It was. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very That's much. That's magnificent. Yeah. How about a hand for Kylie Wong in the Stanford <laughs> Hall, Hall of, of Fame. Fame? My gosh, <laughs> in Stanford. Did you see Condi and Lisa Rice? While you I, were I did. I knew Condi really well, actually. Okay. So Condi was uh, vice provost at I the time. I love that you call her Condi, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she yeah was, we know her. We know her. We don't. But and yeah. she was the coolest person. We would literally be walking through campus and be like, you know what? Let's go. Let's go see what Condi's up to. And you she would, just would go always, office? yeah, we just walk in her office, and she would always make time. Huge football fan, brilliant woman. Yeah, I mean, sure. just uh, the, the smartest thing ever. Well, there were rumors about her in Cleveland and maybe coaching. Although I don't know if that was just something planted out there. And I wish knows? there were rumors about her in the White House. 
Yeah, that would be. <laughs> I would. I would take that in a second. But even about- even when they were talking about commissioner. Right there was there was just this little there was yeah. this window that she was still uh, I believe she was Secretary of State or whatever yeah. I don't know what she could, right, right, right. and and she just obviously couldn't just step down and be like yo I'm going to be commissioner <laughs> <laughs> yo. now she could yeah. yes exactly <laughs> absolutely all right questions from the crowd here Kimmy's got the mic and what's your name what's your question Tebow Jackson all right go Texans all right what's it like seeing the difference in a, a Ricky Anthony Weaver and such a great D line coach uh, I'm sorry what was it I'm sorry one and, more time. What's it like seeing the difference in a rookie, Anthony Weaver, to such a great D-line coach? Well, you oh, weren't with him as a rookie, I though. wasn't with him as a rookie because he was at Baltimore at the time, right, right? Right, But to see his growth, because you're absolutely right. I mean, he is a phenomenal coach. Like, what he's able to do and just uh, – because when you, when, when you really look at coaches and you look at, you know, how they're developing players, look at how – all of them are playing so well. They're all interchangeable. They're all able to kind of move all over the field, and they all have very, very good technique. And so to to see him as, you know, Weaver, you know, the guy that you play next to, Kind of, um, you know, you kind of, you know, he's a teammate. So you yeah. never give, you never give a teammate too much props yeah. to where he is as a coach now and how he's leading those guys out there on the field. Um, it's been an amazing, amazing story, amazing progression, and he's doing a great job. I think Travis Johnson was sitting in this seat just a few weeks ago, and he said that when he watches the the D line play. It's a reflection of what he remembers Anthony Weaver's style of play. Yeah. He said he said it almost mirrors what his style of play is. Do, do you see that in in this D line? Uh, that's very fair because Weaver was was very physical. I mean that was that was the first thing you knew you were going to have to bring a lunch uh, to to because he was going to be physical and he was going to have a lot of effort. He was always going to give effort, and then technically just you know his 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 club moves and his rip moves were were very very effective and very good and and he so yes those guys do play very similar to how he played and everybody in that room from jj watt all the way down they all rave about him in different ways right they all i mean they all love playing for this guy yeah i mean he's he's one he's a fun guy he's you know two you know he brings a lot of passion a lot of energy you know that's definitely how he played and you can tell that he brings it to coaching because his guys are a reflection of that those guys all play they they are playing hundred percent at all times. Now, you do not see defensive line is the, is the group that you can always count on is is getting you know kind of their dog in it or their loaf in at time. I have never once seen a Texans defensive lineman and say you know what he's just not giving it his all because that's just that's something that you know is set and that's part of their culture. Let's go to the next question from the crowd. What's your name and what's your question? Hey, I'm Fina. Know um, who are some of the toughest opponents for you to stop during your day? In my days, well, the I always tell this story because the one time, you know, in high school, in college, in the pros, one of the things as a linebacker, they always count your missed tackles, right? So that was that's something you get charted along with your tackles, along with your uh, all the good plays. They always the one thing they always look at is your missed tackles. Ironically, my first year in the league when we went to Detroit Lions and Barry Sanders, we never even said the name. They would always just say number 20. And they're like, whenever we played number 20, it was number 20 week. 
They, the <laughs> defensive coaches would come in because they know everyone's afraid that they're going to end up on a highlight film. They're like, all right, guys, this is 20 week, so we do not count missed tackles. Really? Oh, all we want you to do is shoot at his outside leg and make him redirect. So Barry Sanders, I mean, he was a nightmare. Marshall Falk um, was, a, a, you know, that was, now you're seeing offenses play very similar to the Rams style, but that time it was just an anomaly. And what he could do out of the backfield, route running and, and, and catching the ball, um, he was he, he he made me have a lot of sleep. It was a headache. Yeah. Take yeah, me back was. to Barry, though. Was it obviously we all saw the highlights and right. everything, and, and saw some of the games? But how different was it when you played him? Oh, it was completely. Different. I've never yeah. seen anybody like him because you know usually you we all kind of know how you cut when you're running full speed. You have to always cut off your outside leg. Right. Barry was this one exception to where he could be running full speed and would cut off his inside leg at a 90-degree angle. And that just, that like, physics-wise, that's like a bumblebee. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Like, how, how, how does a bumblebee fly? Well, how does Barry Sanders cut off the inside leg running full speed? And, um, you know, and, and so that's kind of what made him so dangerous and tough. Great description. All right, Mark, what's your question today? You and uh, Brennan Scarlett both are from Oregon, both went to Stanford, play the same position. Do you see any other similarities in your playing style? Well, his? and it's funny because you know what else we do? We both share, well, I guess I don't share it anymore, but we both have the same agent. So uh, there's a, there are a lot of similarities there. I mean, he is he's an excellent player. He's a big physical player um, in, in the same way. I always try to play very physical. Um, especially when you're, you know, going against tight ends, you want to, you kind of want to knock them around, knock them off their routes, um, you know. So, so yes. I although he's massive, I mean, it is impressive at how big these guys have gotten yeah. uh, with maintaining the speed, right? So right. the first time I met him, I was like, dude, I mean, you're you're so much bigger than me. You look like you know, what a defensive end would have looked like back in my time. How, what's your size versus where you were when you were playing? So I am literally, I'm probably two to three pounds under. That's where I it. Played. That's it. That's yeah. it. And he is a large dude. And he's on IR, by the way, so that's unfortunate right yeah. now. But he transferred from Cal he did. to Stanford. Isn't that illegal or something? <laughs> Isn't that a crime I in don't California? even know how something like that happens, I mean, right? Really? Could you imagine him going to play big game? How much fun that would have been? So Those the big, players big on both sides. The game is, is, mm -hmm. is Cal-Stanford game, and, and I couldn't even imagine it. I, I don't know how they let him in, but I, he's no dummy. Let's just put it that mm. way. He's no dummy because uh, he knew he wanted to end up with the Stanford. <laughs> yes. What do you think of all the Stanford players on the squad? I, I mean, Justin Reed, Brennan Scarlett, Peter Kalambay, uh, Johnson Batamosi. Yeah. Yep. That's all of them, right? That is. I that's mean, all four of them. That's yep. all four of them. I mean, we've got a quite a quite a nice contingency growing. We there. do. And, you know, I think it's a, a good reflection of the program, right? So the one thing I will say about the Stanford guys is, you know, they – not all of them are superstars, right? You know, they're, they're, you do have those outliers of Christian McCaffrey and all those guys. But the one thing about the Stanford players is they're very conscientious. They usually have very long careers in the league, right? Because they, they're, they're good studying. They're, they're, they, they take care of their body in a good way. And so I think it's – I think and they're smart players. So I think it's a, it's a no-brainer to be recruiting, you know, and, and, and getting guys from Stanford. And then Andrew Luck with the engineering degree, too. Yeah, dude, I, I recruited Andrew to Stanford. 
I, really? <laughs> yeah, Stanford loves me because I, well, I, they I, should. I, I recruited yeah. Andrew and I recruited uh, Walker Little, who's their starting left tackle and, and oh, yeah. is just uh, Episcopal guy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I wish you recruited Andrew to play baseball or something. Yeah. <laughs> Are you surprised David Shaw never went to the NFL? You know, they have him up there at the draft doing the commentary. He's unbelievable. He's you know he knows the league. Absolutely. He understands it. And when the Texans were in the market for a head coach in 2014 – you know, there was some. Actually, it was the late 2013 season. They were they were looking at the time, and David Shaw. He never got on the market, but he would have been one of the top guys. Bill O'Brien was the top guy on the market, but David Shaw never got to the market. I've always been surprised, but maybe I shouldn't be. What is your thought? Yeah, on that? I wouldn't be. So, so yes, uh, David knows the league very well, right? So his father's Willie Shaw. I actually played under under Willie Shaw after I uh, in Minnesota. Okay. So he was our defensive coordinator. And he was a great, you know, one. He was a great uh, uh, football player, but he also, you know, was a long coach. I think he has like thirty years or thirty plus years um, coaching the NFL. Um, I, it does not surprise me because you know when I was back there and we were talking to David. David's built something very special at Stanford. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 mix of of you know elite athletics and academics um, and working with those players I think he loves it you know I've always said when I if I was a coach I would much rather be a Bobby Bowden than I would be you know a Nick Saban right okay. and, I, and, and, I, and I say that because Nick Saban went back and forth from college to pros and then and obviously found his home in right. Alabama um, but one school well he just, coached at West Virginia but for well, the most part yeah, yeah exactly you know and so um I think he really, you know, likes this. I, I think he likes, you know, it's it's a good life for him. Um, you know, his family's all out there. You know, he's built this uh, amazing community, you know, at Stanford. I would not be surprised to have see him staying there for longer. It, it must be the case because the Niners job, I would assume that he could have had that if he wanted it, maybe twice. And then you look at the Oakland job opening up a couple of times in the time where he would have been a top candidate. So Well, it's actually funny likes. you say that because one of the people, uh, Phil Zacharias. So Phil Zacharias and Vic Fangio were on the same staff mm-hmm. together at Baltimore. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were there, you know, working, working with the defense. Right. And, you know, one of the things Phil was telling me about, about they would always have these conversations is – you know, Vic would say, you know, there was just never anything like else like coaching at Stanford. Like wow. it was just a, it was just a, such a fun and positive experience. You know, getting to work with the athletes, kind of, you know, having these different things. They just everybody seems They're to all really smart. Love it. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> that helps, helps as a coach. Helps the cause. All right, let's get this last question for the crowd. What's your name? What's your question? Uh, I'm Stephanie. And Hi, Stephanie. My question is, as a player, how would you mentally shake off a tough loss and prepare yourself for the next week? All right, answer that after the break. And uh, theory on an aging quarterback and your coaching career, because I know you did some this past fall. We'll do all of that with Kylie Wong here at the Fuddruckers Texans Players Show, 59 and Wesley and Texans Radio. The Big Finish is up next. The Fuddruckers Texans Players Show continues in a moment. Back with more of the Texans Players Show, live from Fuddruckers. Yeah, Kylie Wong is here signing stuff like checks for everybody. No, he's not. <laughs> I don't want to say that. I mean, it's the holiday season. We'll get a big crowd as Kylie Wong signs checks for people. 
going to be like Kid Rock and pay off everybody's layaway. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're not doing that. But they do have great stuff here at affordable prices at Fuddruckers, like shakes, and I'm about to get one in about 20 minutes, okay? And you're going to p- participate in that tonight? Nope, I'm not partaking in the shakes. Oh, my gosh. You've so been on cold. a shake moratorium. I know, I am. All right. Whatever, Con- he takes the, when I want the shake, Mark says I can't have it. Then as yeah. soon as I don't want it, Mark forces no, it down my throat. I'm not depriving you because I want the shake. He feels, I want the know, whole shake. You know what you enjoy? You what? enjoy taking the shake out of my hand yes. and drinking Say, it yourself. Saying it's my shake. That's yes. right. See? All right. So Kylie is here. And let's answer the question from the crowd. Last time up, it was how do you put a tough loss behind you? You know, it's as a as a pro athlete, it actually is a lot easier than probably as a fan, right? Like really? a, a fan, <laughs> they go through this whole morning per- process. But 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 when you're playing, you just can't do it. You just can't. So typically, what happens is you ha- the, the next day you got to watch film. You still feel terrible until you get back on the field for that that first practice of the next week. The moment you step out on the field, it's all over. It's gone. Like yeah. you have a way to essentially kind of get start getting it out, and 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 it is so far behind you by the time you leave that that first practice. So that, what's normally it's a, normally a Wednesday, um, then then it, you you almost have forgotten about last week. Were you like that as a rookie? Does it go back to high school, college? When did you start doing that? Yeah, it was. It, I mean, I think it was, yeah, it had to have been high school. I mean, it definitely it wasn't it, it wasn't something that I had to come in here and, and I had to learn or anything like that. It was just kind of automatic. Like, yes, you hated watching the film, yeah. right? You, you just didn't want to have to watch, you know, the mistakes in the film and, and, you know, go through it with your coach. The next day, you're still not really over it. When you go out in the community and you do all the community events, <laughs> you're still like... This is good a, to know. In the back of your mind, of it. And we have players there. here. They're Absolutely. still, yeah, they're still they're marinating still, it. It's still marinating. But once you come back in on Wednesday for a normal week um, and get out there on the practice field, then it's, it's completely behind you. So the players practice today because obviously it's a short week. And Bill O'Brien said he was going to meet with them and go over the film. And I thought it was interesting. He said... They've probably already watched the film six times. For sure. Like, on their own. Mm-hmm. Like, everything I'm going to tell them, they've probably already seen it. They've already, already recognized it. Six times, is that an accurate assessment of how many times you would watch your own film? I know, because it wasn't, it wasn't probably, iPads back then. Yeah, you probably don't watch it. Yeah, I mean, six times, that's about right. Because the, the reality is, is when you watch, uh, I would watch the game. Right. So I'd watch I'd watch the entire game and you rewind it constantly. Right. So it's very, very interactive to where, you know, you're rewinding it. You're just you're looking at little things like, OK, alignment, uh, you know, first first foot position, hand position. So you're kind of going through that whole thing. So, yeah, you watch every play at least six times. Wow. If not more. Yeah, I could see that. Your own stuff Your own, in particular. Yep. Over and over. And then, and then looking at just formations and different things that like, oh, I could have seen this. Mm-hmm. I could have saw how the tight ends, you know, is 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 slightly cocked out. And, of course, that's going to be a, a band block or do whatever. You, do you make notes for yourself or is it just like a mental thing that you can remember all that, all the corrections you want to make? No, you don't. Uh, typically, I would not. When I'd watch film on my own. Um, reviewing a game, I would not make notes because I knew that we were going to watch those same things with the coaches. <laughs> they were going to have notes, and then you write notes on top of those. You notes. write notes. Uh, uh, Do you know what I'm saying? So you'll saying. take their notes, and then you'll you'll write your kind of your own notes mm-hmm. on top of those notes. 
Was Reggie Herring pretty crazy? He was nuts. Okay. Yeah, he was. He was, he was a little frightening. I <laughs> yeah, I've had a lot of crazy coaches, and so it's, so it's really fun. They all blur together. But Reggie was one of a kind. All right, I got to get your theory on a couple of things. First is this, and I think everybody would be interested in the answer to this question. A lot of us, media, fans, we think we look at games to be played every weekend in the NFL. We say, well, that team lost last week, so they'll be really mad. So they'll have the edge in this next game. And that other team won a bunch of games, so they might come at it with a softer approach, whatever the wording should be here. That is, is there truth? Is there some truth to that? That when you lose, you're going to have a bigger edge next week because you're really upset about it? No. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely zero. Right. Like zero. I, there is, uh, but you understand the, what I'm talking about. Uh, we, we use we that all the time. Use it. I mean, they use it in, in, in setting lines, you know, yeah. like gambling <laughs> lines. I mean, it's so funny. So right. um, there is not a transitive property in, uh, in, in professional sports. I mean, the reality is, is you're always going out there to play your hardest and play your best. Sometimes when you do get on a really, really easy streak and everything's going by, yeah, it's, put, you're, it's possible to not prepare as well as you probably could, mm -hmm. right? I, um, everything is about, about preparation. So when you lose, when you have a, a, a bad thing, you might just prepare better. Yeah. But it's not like you're going to go out in that game and be better or play better. But what about this part of it? Because especially for the guys who play around or on the line of scrimmage, when you have a little anger, sometimes mm. it gives you more energy. You know, even me playing pickup basketball. When I'm mad, I play harder or something like that. Is there some truth to that? Or is that just me thinking too much? Yeah, I would say... It, it can it can come in spurts. It's just not it's not sustainable. Right? It's, not, all right, it's just yeah. not you could not sustain that in the entire game. It's just it just there's just no way you can play that way. Are there times where you maybe have a little extra juice? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah there, there definitely are so times. You're saying that Forrest Whitaker's performance in Fast Times at Ridgemont High is not accurate. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of too, Drew. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would I would say yes. That's probably a little bit for uh, Hollywood's sake. Yeah. Stretch. Is it easier to get angry in these divisional games because you're sort of facing this? It's because that is just a true rivalry. And then my second part of that question is, would the Texans have a chance to maybe face one of these? teams in the playoffs, either the Titans uh -oh, or the Colts. Oh, don't think Do ahead. you think it's better to face a team that you've seen twice in the year already, or do you think it's better to face a completely different team that doesn't know you as well? Well, me personally, I would much rather face the Colts or the Titans. You would? I would. I would. I, I understand you don't you, – you know them so much better. You know – uh, they know you so much better. Divisional games are always tough, right? They're, they're just hands exactly. down. They're exactly. They're always tough. Um, but – I would actually want to face to face them. Well, I know I know beating the Colts, you know, uh, I mean they're one and one, right? And 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 you know, doing it on our turf again, like I would I would be okay with that because the reality is is I am scared of the and and, and obviously the Texans if they play them, you know, where I'll, I'll I'll look at it a little bit closer, but the Chargers are playing excellent football right now and that's the team where i am i'm like wow that's a good team just get me there somehow some way <laughs> and on the Colts, i still think you should have recruited andrew luck to be a champion chess player <laughs> i think that would have been much tennis that would have been good for him not football all right let me ask you this tom brady you know the, every time the patriots lose it's this seismic event and yeah. oh my gosh they're nine and four how horrible i mean texans are nine and four you get my drift here 
Belichick leaves Gronk out there, maybe when he shouldn't have at mm-hmm. the end of the game, whatever. Brady, late in the first half, forgets that he doesn't have a timeout, and he takes a sack, runs out of time, and that might have made a big difference ultimately. Brady, how much longer? I mean, and you're in this business of sports performance and everything with the athletic room. What's your theory on how much longer for Tom versus time? He's, I mean, he's definitely, this season, he's definitely slipped, right? Like, mm-hmm. statistically, if you just look at him. Um, he, he's not off to his normal season. But, I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, which is one of the interesting things about Jimmy Garoppolo being traded to the Niners, which yep. I think is why there was so much contention um, between Kraft, Belichick, and Brady going into the season, is who's his replacement, right? Yeah. Like who, who? They don't who, have it. Who Exactly. They don't have it. So, you know, I think that right now, I mean, Tom Brady's still a very good quarterback. He can still play. They're nine and four, so yeah. you know that's like, uh, not know, a like, disaster. It's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not quite a disaster. Um, so I think you know. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if he at least gets three more years in. What is that? Is that oh my gosh. gosh? Is that because of? Give me two milkshakes. <laughs> I want two milkshakes. Three more now years you, with Brady. I might need three milkshakes. <laughs> I, know, I just thought it was interesting that they skipped. He skipped no. OTAs this off season. It just—it was a very lackadaisical offseason. Everyone wondered if it would make a difference, but then they got off to a hot start. Everyone thought it didn't. But once Garoppolo was gone, do you think maybe the fire in him sort of extinguished a little bit that comp- that competition? Well, yeah, I he mean, he was always sort of paranoid that someone was going to take his yeah, job. There, there clearly is no competition right now, you know, and and so that is that's the one reason why I feel like you know had Garoppolo stayed around. I mean, you could very easily see a scenario where, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, where, where, or uh, Joe Montana's, uh, you know, Steve Young, something like that. But there just isn't a successor. There isn't someone sitting there. And so, yeah, I don't see why he, he would hang it up because he, he seems to clearly like it and still is performing at a very high level. How about his, you know, Mark alluded to, you're in the sports performance business. How much... And how far ahead of the curve was he in, the, in terms of that, as far as doing things a little differently, treating his body a little bit differently? I mean, it's not just the physical, I know, but how much do you think he's extended himself in that regard? Well, he's clearly, you know, he's doing something right. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, you look at a guy like Drew Brees. He doesn't get quite the notoriety, but he's definitely in the same, you know, you know generation of, of kind of Tom yeah. Brady. And he's still going at it, and he's going at it strong. Um, so... I think Tom Brady, I think, in my opinion, I think it's a little bit more hype, um, yeah. and especially with the release of TB12, his book, you know, his his training complexes and all that type of stuff, and that might be pushed a little bit more from his trainer, because let's be honest, it's, it's probably, Tom really probably doesn't care that much, um, but, um, you know, uh, there, there's no doubt about it. I think players have been, you know, for the last... 10 to 12 years been doing a really really good job taking care of their bodies and he's just he's like the model you know citizen when it comes to that how did coaching wrap up for you at st michael's right yeah so i actually didn't coach this year at st michael's i actually coached uh six and seven year olds oh with kevin walter <laughs> and we had the mcnair boys on our team oh so no we, pressure we, yeah, we, exactly where so, were our cameras <laughs> well ironically you actually did a voiceover intro for our introduction to, i did to open the season i did yes. dude okay. it was it was a hype That's just show not even fair <laughs> yeah. to the other team yeah so it was a, it was a lot of fun and no. <laughs> 
Yeah, I remember doing like, that. We're, we're still looking for all of our uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> so was it, it team mom? It was okay. a, so that was, that was my coaching uh, this year, and it was, it was a lot of fun. And it was Kevin's actually his first time, you know, kind of coaching, you, yeah. know, uh, you know, really being. And he was the offensive coordinator. And, you, know. <laughs> you had titles? Yeah. We, oh, we had you oh, titles. How would you guys do? We actually didn't do very well. <laughs> Wait, was it tackle or flag? No, it was flag football. It was flag. The, the, the problem was is they're five honest, and six years old. Yeah, they are. <laughs> That's so the problem. For some reason, it's like an organized pillow. They fight, weren't yeah. getting our audible system that we yeah. were trying. Oh, yeah. How dare they? Simplify. And, you know, yeah, although I will tell you this, the McNair boys, those guys, those kids were on it from day yeah. one. They knew everything football, and we just needed to get everybody else caught up. Yeah, they're them. at practice at the Greenbrier. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kylie, what about the athletic room? What can you tell us about that? How's it going? Oh, it's, it's going great. I mean, uh, check us out, theathleticroom.com, or uh, check out our Facebook page. I mean, it's been, been a lot of fun. It's been two years now. Um, we're doing really well. Very excited. We're having a couple things. That we're, my wife actually is, has, has started a little thing, you know, because, you know, your mom, your mom of – a four she's kind of getting into she is in her 40s and you know sometimes it's, it's a little trouble um and so so she's actually kind of started um a little line that kind of helps trouble spot areas and oh, oh, cellulite okay. and uh and and we'll do uh, facials and all that what, what about stuff. the cloning are you doing cloning yet we are not doing cloning Wait, yet. Why are you cloning yourself? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna clone Mark. They have Ted Williams' head in the. Yeah, Mark exactly. wants another one of him. Exactly. <laughs> I just do. No, I uh, for the extra shake. Mark's alluded to in 2019. I'm actually, and you guys will hear about this later on. I, it's kind of in early stages, but I realized that you know, just in the same idea of athletic room, bringing you know, kind of the modalities that pro athletes use to everybody, um, doing the same thing, kind of in regenerative medicine. So I'm, oh, nice. I'm going to be teaming up with some some pretty heavy hitters, and we will be kind of you know bringing the stuff that you know pro athletes use um, to potentially avoid surgery um, to everybody. That's Outstanding! Yeah, so it'll be really amazing. fun. Kylie, thanks so much for joining Thank us. We you. appreciate it. All right, Kylie Wong, everyone here at Fuddruckers, Texans All Access is next on Texans Radio. This is Texans Radio. This is Texans Radio. This is Texans.